The Chris Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Chris Cast. Joining me once again this week is Paul, and unfortunately, because Zoom has been cutting out on us after like thirty minutes, we've we've had to go back to the evil empire of Facebook. So Paul is joining me by Facebook Messenger. Hello, Paul. Hello, hello, hello. This message is brought to you by Little Powdered Donuts. That's what I'm having right now. <laughs> but anyways, let's start it off real quick this week. First up, this one is from imdb.com. It's IMDb What to Watch Discover Together. Get the free app now on Fire TV. This Seems like a lot of fun to find something to watch. It says, play quick games with your friends and family and discover what to watch together. Powered by a community of fans that works across multiple streaming services, trade the endless browsing for good times and even better picks. How to play. You've, you've got to download the app on the Fire Stick. It's only for the Fire Stick. Fire Stick, Fire TV, whichever you have. It says search the IMDb What to Watch app on, or search for the IMDb What to Watch app on Fire TV or in the App Store to download and install. So maybe you can download it on other things, or just the way I read it up before, it was only on Fire. Look, so while I'm, I'm reading this, you look Apple up store. the Apple Apple Store and see if it's on there. And it says the next time you're stuck or squabbling, ask Alexa, open the IMDb What to Watch app. Two. Select a game and play with your nearest and dearest to get picks that make the whole house happy. 3. Update settings to prioritize your streaming services and check back often for new games and features. So, to me, it says time of play, 5 minutes, required equipment, use remote, content, and chosen movies. It says this or that, feeling fickle, answer questions and we'll find something to suit your mood. Whether that's an epic romance, a supernatural horror, or something in between. To me, this sounds like a really fun way to find stuff to watch. Okay, on the Apple Store, the only thing you have is IMDb, the actual app. Or um, IMDb Pro, whatever that is. And that's it. That's the only thing on the yeah, Apple IMDb Store. IMDb Pro is where you pay for it. Let me, let me see what comes up on Google Play Store. I'm actually going to type in what to watch, not just IMDb. I did, I did IMDb and it brought up that. But. It, it's got IMDb, your guide to movies and shows, Freevee from Amazon, which used to be IMDb TV, Just Watch Streaming Guide, IMDb Pro, Movies Easy Finder, IMDb, Tips, IMDb TV Shows and Movies, and Tubi, TV, movies and TV shows, and then it goes into other apps and such. So, it's also not on the Google App Store. But, for those with Fire TV, it really does sound like a fun way to find something new to watch. So, I've, I'm going to have to try and do this and see how it comes up. There's also a quick draw they, uh, item on here. It says... Time of play, one minute, use remote, and content shows and movies. It says, when you just want to cut to the chase, shuffle through the options. IMDb top 250 movies, trending shows, and more, and get a few perfectly random picks in seconds. 
So um, you don't even have to play the game. You can just do the quick pick and it'll give you um, 250 choices. There is an app here. It's called What to Watch Movies. Yeah, but um, it's it's not going to be the IMDb app. And, but it's not the IMDb app, no. So, but this one... I mean, I understand having it on the Fire TV because your apps for everything that you watch are on the Fire TV. So it'll just give you an easy way to find them. But to me, it sounds like a great idea. But I I thought I'd pass that along after I found out about it. But next up, I do have a fun news story because we haven't had enough of those here lately. It's, it's time we get a fun news story going. But this one is from Metro. I'm not sure what Metro is. It's on MSN, but the actual source is Metro. Dog walks two miles, goes into random home, then gets in bed with homeowners. Did you see this story today? No, that sounds cute. It says, a Tennessee dog with a penchant for, quote, ignoring personal space, walked two miles before settling down for a nap in a random home. Jimmy and Julie Johnson had accidentally left a back door open at their home in Polk County on May 1st. Unbeknownst to them, two miles away, Nala the dog had slipped her collar and embarked on a nighttime adventure. She sneaked her way into Jimmy and Julie's home and padded past their dogs before jumping into bed with the couple. Facebook was then used to reunite the pup with her real owner. Julie posted, It is absolutely normal to wake up in our house with one of our dogs in the bed with us. One small problem, this is not our dog nor do we know how she got in our house. At first, we thought it was one of ours, but they rarely lay on the pillows. In pitch darkness, I just assumed it was, wouldn't we all? As daylight began to creep in through the curtains, we realized we were snuggling with someone else's dog. This is the weirdest post I have ever had to make. And I believe... Do you have pictures of the dog? Yeah, there's all kinds of pictures in this article. Dog laying there on the bed. The lady with the dog... I think what I saw on another art story on this was the dog was scared by a lightning storm, which I don't know if you've ever had a dog who's afraid of lightning, but when the thunders, they don't like it. Because my dog that I currently have is very much afraid. She doesn't like it when rain hits the roof of the house when she's inside. She gets afraid of that, starts trembling and goes and hides. So you can imagine how bad it is for her with thunder. But this one, I think, got afraid from the the lightning storm, and that's why she slipped her collar and ended up in the house with strangers. Yeah, um, my dog is a husky. He lives outside, though, um, and he's scared of storms, but he gets up on the front porch underneath the rockers. <laughs> so he will not. I've tried and tried and tried to get that dog come inside. He will not come inside this house. Well, it's, it can also it can also be very dangerous too because my cousins had a German Shepherd that lived outside, and their dog was afraid of storms, like terribly afraid of thunderstorms. And they said there was one storm that hit, and the dog got so scared. I think it was a male dog. He ended up busting out the window of the basement, cutting himself trying to get out from the storm and bled to the point where 
it's his fur turned from the traditional yellowish brown and and dark brown color to yeah. gray and white. Ooh. And they said that the the coat changed color after he had cut himself like that. So it, it can be a very very deadly situation because I don't know how long the dog was there before they got to it, but. I mean, it's pretty significant to change a dog's fur color. Yeah. And I'm sure it was, like, when people go gray from fear. But the stress kind of does it to you. Your, your gray's not from fear, Paul. My gray was from other sources, but we won't talk about that right now. Uh. And before I get into the new food products, did you have any fun stories you want to talk about first, or do you want to move on and then come back to them? Um, let me look at my saved stories here. Um, that's food, that's food, that's food. Um, this is about a movie. Are we talking about anything about movies yet? No, I'm, I'm say, I always save the entertainment for last before we do the those we lost this week. Yeah. This is, I got a bunch of food stuff here and some, and some, um, movie stuff here. So, okay. Okay. Well, I've got one all encompassing article. It's three different food products, I think, but it's foodindustryexecutive.com. I'll go through it first. And then if you have any stories that are mentioned in this, you can elaborate further because this is like one paragraph for each item, but it's. Foodindustryexecutive.com new food and beverage product launches May 9th through the 13th. First up, they have Ugly's Kettle Chips Sweet Potato Chips. It says Ugly's Kettle Chips recently expanded its product line with the addition of Ugly Sweets upcycled sweet potato chips. The chips are made with imperfect sweet potatoes, kettle cooked in small batches, and lightly salted. They're an excellent source of vitamin A and are gluten free, non GMO project verified kosher certified, vegan friendly, and produced in a nut-free facility. The next one is the Kellogg Company Rice Krispies Treats Homestyle Cinnamon Sugar. Kellogg Company recently introduced the newest variety of Rice Krispies Treats Homestyle Cinnamon Sugar featuring cinnamon sugar and extra marshmallows. This is the latest product to join the Homestyle lineup, which is inspired by marshmallow-based homemade recipes. Homestyle cinnamon sugar bars are available in nationwide grocery stores with a suggested price of $3.99 per 6-bar box and $5.24 per 12-bar box. And I'm guessing I'm saying this one right. Oh, there's more than three, but Bone Deville Plant-Based Ganache. It says, targeting, targeting flexitarian and vegan customers, Bone Deville released four flavors of plant-based ganache desserts. Chocolate, vanilla, caramelized banana, and salt car- salted caramel chocolate. Each coconut-based coconut ganache cup contains less than 120 calories. All varieties are vegan certified, gluten-free, dairy-free, and kosher. Packs of four 1.6-ounce cups are available at Wegmans, Fresh Time, Major, and more. Gardein Ultimate Plant-Based Line, which these... I, I'm guessing the chicken wings are new because the ultimate plant-based Gardein has been out for a while. But it says, Gardein, a brand of Canagra Brands Incorporated, 
will be adding seven new products to its alternate plant-based line, chicken wings in buffalo and barbecue style, chicken spicy fillets, sausage links in bratwurst and spicy Italian, and breakfast sausage in original and spicy patties. The new products offer a variety of plant-based meat alternatives for vegetarians, vegans, and flexitarians to enjoy. Starting in June, the ultimate plant-based line will be available at grocery stores, mass retailers, and through e-commerce. And then the last one is Covico New Coconut Products. Four new coconut-based ingredient products, coconut cheese, coconut chips, coconut salsa, and coconut barbecue sauce will soon be joining Covico's product line. All new products are vegan, organic, gluten-free, and made from sustainably grown coconuts. They will debut at the National Restaurant Association show in Chicago May 21st through the 24th, after which they'll be available for wholesome wholesale purchase. Now, I don't know about the coconut cheese. Gross! I'd, I wouldn't rule it out, but I would taste it before I would ever buy it. Uh-oh. Well, I mean, you think coconut milk, so you can yeah. manipulate the, the coconut milk to get you a cheese. Yeah, I like my, I like cheese, though. I, I like real cheese. Oh, I, like I do, too. Cheddar cheese. That's why I can't go vegan, but if they give me a good alternative... Yeah, I can't do it. Because I love me some extra sharp cheddar, let me tell you. Trust and believe I do too. The sharper the better. So, so what are your food products articles that you've got? Um, the food product articles I have here is um, this is from uh, Yahoo News. This is an article. It's called It's a Black Owned Exotic Pop 20 Ounce Soda, and it sells for $20 a bottle. It says, many people would think it would be absurd to pay $50 for a can of soda pop, but one black-owned business in Houston has found the market for those who are en route to building a million-dollar brand. Exotic Pop, the Houston Chronicle reports, has tapped into the culture of exclusivity as it fetches a 12-ounce can of Dr. Pepper Fantastic Chocolate for the price of $500 and a box of Michael Jordan Space Jam Wheaties. Everybody wants something that, that nobody has. And it goes on to say, the exotic pop is a hard-to-find drinks and snacks at, pop, at big prices. So these are this is a company who actually gets a hold of these drinks that is hard to find, and they sell it. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass on a $200 bottle of soda. Nah, I'm good too. And, and real, um, real quick before you go to the next one, the, the word flexitarian in that last article kept coming up. And I was yeah, not... What is that about, by the way? I was not familiar with it prior to that. And I looked up the definition on Google, and it just seems kind of uh, pointless. Because when it said flexitarian, I was thinking flexible, meaning maybe they still eat meat, but like vegetarian options. No, yeah. that's not what it is. According to this... In its simplest definition, the flexitarian diet is a com combination of the words flexible and vegetarian. It's a cross between full vegan and vegetarian with the ability to enjoy animal products. So, so I guess it is. Because I was seeing the full vegan and vegetarian cross and didn't read any further. But with the ability to enjoy animal products every so often. Registered dietitian Kate Patton 
explains the ins and outs of this eating style. And that was the what, how it came up is health.cleveland.clinic.org is where that question was answered. So it is basically vegetarian or vegans that eat meat every now and then, apparently. Well, that's um, um, Bill Clinton. He went vegan, but he still he still eats um, salmon once a week for his um, omega threes and his proteins. That's what he does. So um, there is a new cereal that is being put out by uh, Tropicana um, Orange Juice, and it is a cereal that is designed to eat with your Tropicana Orange Juice. That just don't sound appetizing. It's called Tropicana Crunch. It's from the Today Show. It was on there. Um, It says, yeah, this is one of those pieces I'd like to remind everyone, don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) That's the very first line. (laughs) Oh, let's see. I have come to tell you that Tropicana has made a cereal ostensibly designed to be not eaten with milk, not with oat milk, and not with potato milk, but indeed not with any milk of any kind. I regret to inform you, but it's consumed with it's supposed to be consumed with orange juice. I can hear you screaming all the way from tomorrow <laughs> the best thing about the cereal is drinking the cereal milk. Um, it's real. This is um, coming to stores. Um, if it's if it's designed to be eaten with orange juice in it, it sounds like it's some kind of citrus flavor. But the problem with marketing that is everybody's already going to be predisposed to sweet cereals with milk that do not blend well with orange juice. So you're going to have a hard sell there just for that I, fact. I don't know if I would even try it. Well, I mean, I, I would try it, but I'm seeing that most people are not going to consider that it's not the same, say, like, tricks. You wouldn't want tricks with orange juice. Yes, it's a fruity cereal, but it does not go with orange juice because it's sugary. And the, the problem is people are going to be taking that thought instead of okay this cereal is specifically made to blend with orange juice so eating it while drinking orange juice is going to be acceptable and good but they're not going to have that frame of mind because they're going to be tricks doesn't go with orange juice what's going to get me it's going to be like eating crunchy orange juice I don't know about that yeah so I would try it but I don't think I would buy it without trying it first. And also, we you were talking about the Beyond Meat just a moment ago. Yeah. Th- this is from InsideHook.com. It says, it took me a minute, but people are realizing that Beyond Meat burgers aren't healthy. I pre-read the article talking about um, the cost of um, hamburger meat going up so much. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to the plant-based meats and stuff. Which is and driving the price up for me. Thank you very much, people out there. Do what now? It's driving the price up on me, thanks to all the people out there switching over. Yeah, it's, they're, they're talking about, you know, some restaurants are price gouging hamburger prices now. 
Um, the lettuce Beyond Burgers now has 35% less total fat than beef burger, less cholesterol per serving, and has comparable dose of protein. And it's also high in vitamin B12 and zinc. But at the same time, the Beyond Burger, like its leading competitor, the Impossible Burger, is calorically similar to normal burgers, has a laundry list of processed ingredients designed to help to achieve a simulated mouthful, mouthfeel and contains a whopping five times the amount of sodium. Customers seem to be rising up to the reality that that Beyond Burger isn't a healthy or, or than a standard burger. It's just a different sort of burger, and which is, this is key, it isn't a salad. Five times the sodium. Good God. Well, that's that's because of the the, the, the freezing and the processing, but they have to preserve it some way. But I will say, everything vegetarian wise has no cholesterol in it that I've come across. So um, the I get my cholesterol out of cheese and eggs, but because you know can't give up the dairy, so I still eat it. But the the cheese and eggs have quite a bit of cholesterol. So what I'm not getting in the vegetarian meat, I'm getting the cholesterol from the cheese. True. Now, do you eat eggs? Yeah. Not not like every week or anything, but I'll eat eggs on a semi-regular basis. I eat eggs about five times a week. See, I'd... So. And that's going to be costly for you now, too, because that's going up because of the bird flu. Well, it is what it is. Uh, I want them, so I get them. But, um, so that's, I, I have two other food stories here, but I'm not going to mention them. One of them is um, about a country store. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's in up, upstate South Carolina. And a lot of the locals and a lot of the travelers that goes to Myrtle Beach swears by, it's called Max Smith's Country Store has the best burgers and hot dogs in South Carolina. And I'm like, ooh, I want to go try that just to see. But anyways, I, I just want to do a little honorable mention on that one. And um, there was another article here from Eat This, Not That. Is from Remember I did the uh, five overpriced burger chains last week? Yeah. This one has the four most overpriced bur- um, sandwich chains, which is basically it's, it's mentioning – um, how the prices are shot up at places like um, uh, Jersey Mike's, um, let's see, the Firehouse Subs. It's more your higher-end sub places. Um, two of them I've never heard of, so obviously, but those are the two that I've ate at, but the other two I've never heard of before. But, um, they have shot up. I had one of my friends to pick me up an Italian sub from Jersey Mike's, and it was normally nine dollars and thirty cents for the medium size, and now it's like twelve bucks. It's like what? What? Yeah. So inflation. It was. But I'll tell you what. I ate good that day, and I made sure I ate every damn scrap of that too, even the lettuce on the wrapper. <laughs> but inflation that the Republicans were thrilled about during Trump and now hating under Biden for whatever reason. I don't understand. But one other quick mention. Did you see the announcement McDonald's made today? Maybe yesterday. I saw, I saw it on Google News, but I didn't click on it. 
they are selling off all of their business in Russia. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. They are going to sell off the buildings and leave Russia altogether. And I applaud them for that because it is due to the unjust war that they're doing this. Whereas... So McDonald's is completely pulling all out lock, yes. stock, a barrel out of... And they're going to sell the building. Yes. Does that mean they're going to... Now, are they going to sell the franchise or, 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 or just pull the uh, franchisees out? I'm guessing they're selling off everything. Then they're, they will not because be in Russia you, anymore. You will not you be able to have a McDonald's franchise. You can actually buy into the franchise and create your own McDonald's store. But not in Russia. They will not be allowing it. Okay. Duly noted. So, Good deal. I mean, they, they are completely withdrawing from, from the country. And um, congratulations to them. I will go out and get me a quarter pound cheeseburger tomorrow just for that. Well, if they would... And then... I, if they get off their rumps and put the McPlant out nationwide in this country, I would be able to go there a lot more often. I'm actually curious to try those plant-based chicken nuggets. I want to try them, but I can't find anybody who has them. KFC. Yeah, it's The way I understand it, it's the chicken strips, but they are not cheap. Like a six-piece Beyond Chicken at KFC is six ninety nine. I mean, I, would, I, would I eat that every day? No, but I try it, yeah. Well, what I thought about doing was one night getting takeout from them, get the Beyond Chicken and whatever, and then making mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese at home to cut the cost some. Well, you could do that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about doing you, it one night. If you, and if you ask me, their macaroni and cheese and their, ma- and their mashed potatoes are just subpar. I mean, they, they aren't really... I can make a whole lot better at home. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the the KFC mac and cheese, but I mean you can make your own sides and get a lot more for a lot less. And then I have um, two movie articles and one entertainment article. Yeah, so we'll we'll do all that in the entertainment here in a little bit. First up, this this one I'm just going to do the headline because. It gives the most important information in the headline. It's from cbc.ca. You can look it up. There's all kinds of publications that had the story out. Transgender youth in Alabama can get gender-affirming medical care judge rules. Alabama is allowing gender-affirming medical care. Thanks to a judge. Okay, they, you can't... Okay, my thir- my, I'm 13 years old, and my daddy can get me pregnant, and I, therefore I have to have the baby. But by God, I can give you gender-affirming care for transgender people? That don't make sense. Well, no, I, it's a step in the right direction. Yes, they're it going to... It is a step in the right direction. It's like one step forward and one step back. They're going to tout abortion all they can because they think it's killing the baby instead of actually looking at all the possibilities as to why it's necessary. Oh, that reminds me. God, it's hot in here. Um, I saw a man, I, I thought of this kind of like a political pundit on TikTok and 
he actually came up a really cool theory of why all these red states is pushing for no abortions. And when he said this, I was like, it totally makes sense. Well, we're pushing the million mark of people dying, or we might have already touched it. CDC announced today that we've hit a million. Okay, so we hit a million. People died of COVID now in the United States. And mostly... Mostly these places where the people's died has been in red states. Um, most of them have been Republicans. Most of them have been non-vaxxers. I mean, just statistically, that's who it is. Not saying that the COVID picks and chooses who they want to kill. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, like, the my three people that I know of that has died in my life of COVID were non-vaxxers and Trump supporters. That's fact. They That's what they were. So these red states, he came up with this theory that they're trying to push for no abortions to try to build the population back up in that area where those people in the red states won't move out. And so they'll eventually end up voting Republican and help turning over the country in 18 years. And it's it's possible. I have heard the no abortions because the population declined, but I'm also looking at we need to decline our population quite a bit. We have grown and grown and grown. We're tearing down trees for housing. We don't have affordable housing for all. It's time to do something about it. Well, also... Um in the past, uh, in the past year, I've read from numerous. Let's try that again. I've read numerous articles where um, all these baby formula companies, Pampers, diapers, they're hurting because the young people now are not having babies. They're they're getting dogs and cats in lieu of children. So the population of babies has went down. Births for the first time in 30 years have went down. And and part of that is due to not being able to afford taking care of themselves, let alone a child. Ex- and plus it's expensive. I also read an article where, you know, from, from the time you raise a child from day one all the way through college, their average price for a girl is in today's money is $200,000. The average price for a boy is one hundred and forty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars because boys are just less expensive to raise. Well, you know, dresses. No. Well, not only that, but the and not to be insensitive, but the the plumbing is different, and females yeah. have a monthly need that they have to supply for that males don't, and that that's just yeah. facts. But so. And they don't want to incur that cost of raising children. They don't want to do it. And they don't want the responsibility. They don't want um, these early 20-somethings to mid-20-somethings. What's this? Is it Generation Y? Generation Millennials were like 1981 or so. Millennials are are in their 30s right now. Gen X is what we are. We're Gen X. So I don't know. I, so, I can't keep track of it. Anyways, I'm 
if I'm not mistaken, I think it's wise right now. But anyways, the 20-somethings of today are not wanting children. They don't want children. They love getting together and having dinner with their friends. They love going out and going to coffee shops. They love doing, you know, living their lives without having, you know, quote-unquote, the responsibility of raising a child. So, um, yeah, the birth rates have went down. And, and like I said, we need to drop them. But so. an interesting thought came to me while you were talking about that, because you mentioned the infant formula. If there's such a low number of babies that we need to ban abortions to create more babies, why is there an, a shortage on infant formula? That's because there's a recall because it had a bacteria know, but, and all of them got yanked off the shelf. But what I'm saying is if, if there's too few babies... They should be able to replenish that stock real quick. I just saw an interview on, I think it was CBS News this evening, about um, they had a CEO of one of like Gerber or something like that that does the um, baby formula, one of the baby formula companies. And they said that they have ramped up production and they said hopefully they'll have um, product on the store shelves within the next two weeks. So that's what they're saying. So, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath. But um, they also found, um, which is really interesting in that same article they were talking about, that a lot of people are rushing out and buying goat's milk because it has the same properties, very similar to a woman's uh, mother's milk um, with the nutrients that's in it. So, a lot of people are rushing out and buying goat milk to feed their babies. Yeah. I won't be buying that either, so, but. All I got to say is I hate goat cheese, and it's nasty. But move on here now, and this next article I got is from CBS cbsnews.com, and it's not a first time, so it shouldn't be any real surprise. Comedian and actor Andy Dick was arrested for arrested Wednesday for felony sexual battery, the Orange County Sheriff's Office said. Dick, 56, was arrested around 9 a.m. local time at the O'Neill Regional Park in Orange County, California, police said. An adult male accused Dick of sexually assaulting him in, at the campground. The, the accuser was taken to the hospital for an, quote, assault exam, the sheriff's office said. And we'll skip down through here. It says, this is not the first time Dick has been accused of sexual misconduct. In 2010, he was arrested for allegedly groping a bouncer and a patron at a bar in West Virginia. Criminal charges were dismissed after he completed a pre-trial diversion program. And Do you know how many times I've been groped at a bar? Come on. Well, it's a bar. And it depends on the kind of bar, too. But to the, the one issue is groping the bouncer. Groping a patron, eh, it's, it's not welcome. I'm a patron. But I'm, I'm saying it's not welcome, but it happens. But groping a bouncer, you're crossing the line there. They're there working. They're not there to meet somebody. So, but but the, the one thing I will have to say, they I know his name is Andy Dick, but they had the word Dick in that way too many times. Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm laughing like a schoolgirl. But anyways, 
moving on from that, the next article I have is specifically for Paul, if my computer will ever catch up here. It is Let me guess, it's about Michael Jackson. No. It is about Hasbro's Top Gun toy. This is from Hypebeast.com. A Transformer. Hasbro brings back Top Gun Transformers figure in celebration of film's sequel. I'm hunting for it right now on Amazon. It says, in celebration of the upcoming release of Top Gun Maverick, Hasbro has now revived its collaborative Transformers figure. The collectible was originally launched back in 2020 when the long-awaited sequel to Tom Cruise's high-octane picture was scheduled to hit theaters, but the pandemic has since pushed back its release for almost two years. Despite the delay, Hasbro's Maverick Transformer still proved popular among fans of both Top Gun and Transformers, and now the toy is back. For those interested, the new Top Gun Transformers Maverick figure will be available for pre-order exclusively at Walmart July 21st for a price of $45 US. Okay. You're going to have to hold on here. What was that date again? July 21st. Hey Siri, remind me on July 21st at 8 o'clock in the morning to order my Top Gun Transformer. You can order it now. Okay, your reminder is set for July 21st, 2022, 8 a.m. You can go ahead and pre-order it now, which I would suggest doing, because... Um, while, while we're on the show, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Well, I mean, if you go to the Walmart app, you should be able to go ahead and pre-order well, it there. I've got it. And the, the thing is with it that the... Um, it could sell out before it comes out. That's why I'm saying you want to go ahead and do it now because you don't know what the demand is going to be or oh, how I'm many they're go producing. Buy, I'm going to go ahead and order a bunch of them so I can sell them on eBay. And that might bite you in the ass because they might make 10 million of them and you won't be able to push any of them. I don't see it on here yet. No. It's supposed to be available for pre-order. But, moving on, because we're down to just over 20 minutes left in this part. From Variety, Netflix has been quietly screening movies and TV shows months in advance for subscriber feedback. Netflix has been getting member feedback on original content ahead of its public release for about a year, Variety has learned. Since May 2021, the streamer has been reaching out to small groups of subscribers with a proposition. The company is inviting them to participate in a panel to provide feedback on Netflix's upcoming movies and TV shows before they're released publicly. We at Netflix are building a community of members to view and give feedback on upcoming movies and series, and we'd like to know if you're interested in being a part of it, according to a recent email sent to a group of subscribers, a copy of which was obtained by Variety. It's simple, but an incredibly important part of creating best-in-class content for you and Netflix members all around the world. Netflix confirmed that this, that it has been running the subscriber feedback panels, which have taken place only in the U.S. So, for those of you out there who actually do subscribe to Netflix, I don't know if you can contact them to get them to include you, but they are randomly sending emails, it sounds like. And that brings us to the big stories this week. For entertainment. 
I've got ET Online pulled up here. All of the shows canceled and renewed by network. And I'm not going to go through everything. I'm going to highlight a couple things on the renewed. I'm going to talk over the cancellations, though. But from ABC, the Connors will be returning. The Wonder Years will return. The Good Doctor. But Big Sky will be coming back for Season 3. And Supernatural fans take note. Big Sky Season 2 finale. We'll see guest star Jensen Ackles, who will be a major recurring guest on season three of Big Sky. Oh, cool! ABC has officially canceled Promised Land and Queens. New series for the next season, Alaska starring Hilary Swank, which that sounds promising, just Hilary Swank being in it. Not Dead Yet, starring Gina Rodriguez, and The Rookie Feds, the rookie spinoff starring Niecy Nash. CBS. I don't watch anything on CBS, so I don't know what to highlight on the renewals. The show's canceled. Be Positive. Bull, after Michael Weatherly intended to leave, which is two shows that he has now left on CBS. Good Sam. How We Roll. Love Island, the new U.S. version ordered at Peacock, Magnum P.I., and United States of Al. New series for 2022-23, East New York, Fire Country, So Help Me Todd, and True Lies, the series, based on the movie, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis, and was it Jim Belushi? Can't remember. The CW, they have gone cancellation crazy like never before. Of course, we talked, Superman and Lois gets a season three, Walker gets a season three, The Flash is coming back for season nine, which some are speculating will be the final season of The Flash, and if that's the case, Justice U will probably never see the light of day on the CW, and it's very likely that it won't at this point regardless. And that will be the end of the Arrowverse on the CW. Shows canceled on the CW. The 4400, Batwoman, Charmed, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Dynasty, In the Dark, Legacies, Naomi, and Roswell, New Mexico. And Naomi, I gotta say, you know I was excited for the show when it started. I wanted it to be great. The love the comic, it sucked, to be honest. I was trying so to no accept... No More Charmed? No More Charmed. I was trying to accept the changes from Naomi on the series, from the comics, and I was getting to that point, and I'm going to spoil the series finale, which is now the series finale, for those who haven't seen it, but in the comics, Naomi, her parents send her to a different Earth, to try and get her away from Zumbato. Zumbato is an ally on the show. Not trying to kill her. And we find out in the season finale of Naomi. They did the cliffhanger ending. Probably so they could try and coerce the second season. But it made me not want to watch anymore ever again. Because in the TV show Naomi. Her parents killed her birth parents and brought her to this earth. 
And I'm sorry, that ruined the whole series. Like, if they would have done the whole switch where Zambada was an ally, and then we find out in the cliffhanger of the final season, of the final episode, that it was Zambado had lied all along, I would have been fine with that. But they turned her parents into the killers. And I was done. New series ordered for CW after nine cancellations. They got three new series. One is Gotham Knights, which will not be part of the Arrowverse. Two is Walker Independence, a spinoff from Walker Texas Ranger remake. And three, you'll be happy, The Winchesters is ordered to see series, the Supernatural prequel series. Yes! Fox Today had their upfronts. We do know Call Me Cat's coming back for season three. Today, we finally got an announcement. Family Guy is being renewed. Of course, The Simpsons will be back. Bob's Burgers will be back. Lots of stuff that I don't watch, and especially... After the guy from Fox Today said that the only regret he had about having Rudy Giuliani as a masked singer was that it got leaked out. That he would have done it all again in a heartbeat because it's all about creating moments that get talked about. I'm sorry, he was part of an attempted insurrection that was deadly. I have no use for the Fox Network anymore. I will watch my shows on Hulu or elsewhere I will not watch Fox. He's a garbage human being, not all together. The only thing Fox has canceled is The Big Leap, new shows Accused, Alert, Gordon Ramsay's Food Stars, and Monarch. NBC, again, I don't watch anything on NBC, so I don't know which of these shows are major. I know Young Rock Season 3, Law and Order Season 22, Law and Order Organized Crime Season 3, Law and Order SVU through season 24. I don't know how many there's been. Uh, so American Ninja Warrior having season 14. The Chicago shows are coming back. Canceled. The Endgame. Keenan. Mr. Mayor. And Ordinary Joe. Final season. This is us. New series. Lopez vs. Lopez starring George Lopez and his daughter Mayan. Million Dollar Island. Night Court. Password. Apparently, they're going to come back to the the video or the game show craze. Quantum Leap, the sequel series, and The Wheel. So that's what they have so far for cancellations and renewals. Anything that I didn't mention, it's been renewed, pretty much. Unless they just haven't made an announcement. So you can look all those up, too, if you like. But... The CW canceling nine shows and bringing on three and canceling all my DC shows. Like, I would have been fine if they'd have kept just The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Because Legends of Tomorrow needs a final season to answer all the questions. Batwoman, I would like to see more episodes, but if it ends, I'm not heartbroken. Legends of Tomorrow, they got arrested at the end. Uh, Ava and Sarah were having a baby. Sarah's pregnant. And there's all kinds of questions that we don't get to answer now because CW canceled it unceremoniously. It's like, we deserve one more season to get all these answers. 
I just wonder after season four, are we currently in season four for? Uh, I for what? I really like the new Charmed series. I'm kind of traumatized by it. Well, it's and don't think that it's completely over because it's the Warner Brothers Discovery merger as part of the reason. The CW being sold is another part of the reason. So they may move some of these shows if enough fans get behind them to HBO Max or something. Like, me personally, I've gone back and started binging Legends of Tomorrow from the start. Of course, I bought the comic. I bought season six Blu-ray that I did not have, which I have all five of the first five seasons. And I had not gotten season six yet. I bought it from Amazon the other day. Season 7 has not yet come out. I will be buying Season 7 as well. So I'm doing what I can to push for it to come. And that's the only way to do it. Like, Family Guy was cancelled. Came back because the DVDs sold so well. But, moving on because we're down to 11 minutes before this thing cuts off. Deadline reports Netflix exploring live streaming for first time plans to roll out for unscripted series and stand-up specials. Who just said they should do that the other week? Live streaming with ads only on the live stream to bring more revenue into the net, into Netflix or any of the streaming services. Who could that have been? Let's see. Hmm. I have I said know. this back when DC Universe had video on there. I, on the message boards at DC Universe, said, is there any chance of getting a live stream channel on here where you run ads during the shows and generate more revenue for the app so that the price doesn't have to increase? Because obviously, year to year, costs go up, so they have to pass that cost on to the subscribers so they can keep making a profit. That's business. Can't fault any of the services for raising their prices. But you can prevent raising the prices even longer by doing live stream channels and showing ads in those shows. That way you get the live stream with commercials or you could go pick and choose what you want to watch without commercials on the on-demand. Nobody's hurt by that. It seems like a no-brainer to me. But but maybe when Netflix starts their live streams, others will follow. Who knows? But just real quick on these next ones, uprocks.com says, The members of Spinal Tap are returning for a sequel to This is Spinal Tap. They were shopping it around at Cannes. We'll see what happens with that. It is the original cast coming back. Um, deadline Today. NBC bringing back Dolly Parton for Mountain Magic Christmas movie musical. You know, she did the Coat of Many Colors Christmas special. Now she's going to do Dolly Parton's Mountain Magic Christmas. And it says her latest flick for the network is described as a modern day musical about the making of a network TV special. It's Dolly. I'll be watching. Of course, coming up like next week on TikTok. Mexican Pizza the Musical by Dolly Parton. Yeah. So, 
We'll we'll have you to watch to that just to review it. You need to just go ahead and buck the system and download TikTok, Chris. I'm I'm gonna have to go to watch that one. Um, another I I had an article up for True Lies. I've already mentioned that they're bringing it to series. Another series that they're trying to revive from a '90s movie, Reality Bites TV series in the works at Peacock. This is from the Hollywood Reporter. It will not be the same cast, obviously, because it says, uh, where is it? Where's the description of this thing? I read it earlier, and now I can't find the... It says, like the film starring Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, and Ben Stiller, who directed, the Peacock take is centered on the driven, idealistic Lelena Pierce and her three best friends as they leave college and try, quote, adulting in the 1990s. As the world around them is on the brink of a seismic shift, they struggle to hold on to who they are and to each other. So, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't know if it holds up. We might have to try and check that one out sometime when we have time and review it again. But, I liked it back in the day. This next one absolutely thrills me. It's going to upset Paul, probably. Because... You know, if this one happens, we will be reviewing it. I promise you that. Oh, Jesus Christ, what? ScreenRant.com, Married with Children, animated reboot with original cast in talks. They are working on a new Married with Children animated series with the original cast. I love Married with Children, but I don't know about putting them in a cartoon. It's going to... The only thing you can do more with the animation because aging doesn't matter. Um, Marvel released their first look this week at Escapade. Escapade is their new transgender superhero. So if you get the chance, go online, check out the transgender superhero Escapade from Marvel. And that brings us to the end of our stories there. You, we have five minutes. Can you work them in, or do we need to pause and come back? Well, I have one here. Disney has dumped Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. Well, that we knew. In the, in the upcoming uh, movie, um, part six of, of Pirates of the Caribbean, let me just say real quick, though, this trial has made me dislike both of them. He's been smarmy, wearing sunglasses. She just seems like a crazy heifer, and I'm over both of them. So, um, Margot Robbie is going to be replacing him, which is the female character. Yeah. Her. So... She's Somehow they're going to be working her in as the new Pirate of the Caribbean. And also, uh, I'm to, this is entertainment related. I'm surprised you didn't mention this. I might not have um, seen it. It's um, uh, Rick Flair returning to the ring. Oh yeah, I saw that. It's, I'm torn on Flair. One... He's too old to come back and wrestle. But beyond that, he was a Trump supporter. So that really hurt him in my eyes. And 
But yeah, I, I did see that he's planning one more match. It's supposed to be the possibility of one of his old rivals, which can't be Lex Luger, because Lex Luger absolutely cannot wrestle due to health condition. Can't be it's Dusty Rhodes. Can't be... I don't think Steamboat will be able to do it, because his health Stain. issues... Yeah, Stain's about the only one. Dusty Rhodes has passed. I mean, all of his biggest rivalries, Barry Windham, maybe... See, the la- I was reading an article that the last match that he wrestled on live television and lost was to Steam. So it's it's natural to bring Steam back and, and put them back to, together in the ring. And, and that's kind of what I look to, but I honestly don't know. It's going to be on uh, July 31st on ESPN on Monday. And he will step into the ring at National Nashville Fairgrounds on independent card that will stream live on FITE TV. Fight TV. Fight TV, yeah. yeah. So that's the only entertainment one. Oh, also uh, another entertainment one. Um, for the celebration of the 100th birthday of Judy Garland, uh, Wizard of Oz is returning to the big screen. Plus... I did not know this. There is going to be a previously deleted musical scene that is going to be added back into the movie just for the big screen at one time, one time only. Well, that'll be cool. So yeah, so that'll be definitely had to go see that. I got to so, do something because uh, people have watched it uh, on TV for a hundred years, so now they got to do something to get them back in the theater for it. I got to see this. I got. I've never seen uh, the Wizard of Oz on a big screen. And I'd love to see it. So and plus, see the deleted scene. The musical number that was taken out. Why not? Definitely. And with that, that brings us to the the dreaded part every week. Those we've lost. First up from usatoday.com. Andy Chavez of modern rock band Catastro dies at 32 in car accident that killed two others. Andy Chavez of Tempe-based modern rockers Catastro died in a car accident with two other people early Thursday morning on Pacific Coast Highway in Newport Beach, California. Chavez was 32. So, the other two passengers, as reported by the outlets, were identified as Crystal McCallum, 34, and Wayne Walter Swanson, Jr., 40. says the outlets also reported that three road workers who were standing nearby when the collision occurred were taken to a hospital with minor injuries. It says, according to the Newport Beach Police, as reported by the Pier.org and the Journal Courier, a car carrying three people traveling on the PCH hit a curb and slammed into roadwork construction equipment at approximately 12.45 a.m. So, just a... Not a fun story, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. But more more reason to take construction work more seriously when you're out there on the road. Next up was a rapper that I have never heard of, to be honest. This is from the sun.co.uk. The article is titled, Who Was Lil Keed and What Was His Cause of Death? Um, who Was Lil Keed? Lil Keed was a 24-year-old American rapper born on March 16, 1998 in Atlanta, Georgia. The artist briefly worked at Subway and McDonald's during his teenage years before breaking into the music industry. 
He first started making music with his younger brother, Samaja Render, posting the songs online. He was then signed to Young Thug's record label, YSL Records, as well as 300 Entertainment. What was Lil Keed's cause of death? The rapper's brother, Lil Got It, first shared an Instagram story in which he tagged Lil Keed and wrote the message, Why bro, why you leave me bro, followed by lots of crying emojis. He then posted another picture of Lil Keed on his feed, confirming his passing. Breaking the devastating news to his followers, he wrote, Can't believe I seemed you die today, bro. I did all my cries. I know what you want me to do. And that's go hard for mama, daddy, and our brothers, and nature, and white boy. A cause of death is yet to be confirmed. First off, sorry, but that grammar. Yeah. I have a problem with that. But... Second off, and I'm not trying to stereotype or anything, but 24 years old and passing, my guess is if it's not drugs, it's some kind of foul play. Because... You said it, I I also have to ask, why are they coming up with these stupid names... Lil Keed, K-E-E-D, his brother Lil Got It, G-O-T-I-T. Then you've got Lil Baby and Da Baby from Charlotte. I mean, have we run out of names for rappers and so they're just whatever throws against the wall and sticks they go with? Yeah, what happened to Tom Loke? I mean, you used to have a bunch of Lils, like Lil Kim. And it wasn't so bad then, but when you're getting into Lil Baby, Da Baby, I mean, Da Brat was okay because she was the first. You know, there was no other Da weird name like that. But Da Baby, you're a grown man calling yourself Lil Baby or Da Baby. Okay, what else we got to talk about? The next up is from therap.com. Bruce McVitie, the Sopranos and Law and Order actor, dies at 65. Bruce McVitie, the stage and screen actor known for his performances in American Buffalo, The Sopranos, Million Dollar Baby, and others, of, over the course of his 40-year career, died May 7th in New York. He was 65. McVitie passed away in a Manhattan hospital, although the cause of death has not yet been determined. From early 80s roles in The, the Equalizer and the Whoopie Boys, to his first major part in the short-lived Stanley Tucci cop drama The Street, McVitie had a knack for playing tough streetwise characters in a variety of films and television shows. He would go on to play memorable guest-starring roles in prestige series like The Deuce, Sex and the City, and When They See Us. And he was on stage in David Mamet's American Buffalo Revival. Um... Is Al Pacino's understudy for that in 1979. Next year, he was in Ensemble Studio Theater's production of What's So Beautiful About Sunset Over Prairie Avenue. A few years later, he was in Naked Angels, which counted Marissa Tomei and Matthew Broderick among its members. Eventually, he took on a second career as a nurse, earning a Bachelor of Science degree from Hunter College in 2013, 
After a four-year break, he returned to the screen with guest-starring roles in Blue Bloods, Chicago Med, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, and Ava DuVernay's When They Us, among others. So, Bonnie Hunt went from being a nurse to being a movie star. He went from being a movie star to being a nurse. And finally this week, this one's from Variety. Fred Ward, star of The Right Stuff and Tremors, dies at 79. And honestly, the picture they have of him on this article makes me think a lot of John Bernthal from The Punisher and that one Sandra Bullock movie we watched from Netflix. I'm not able to think of the name right now, but she was a, an ex-con who was released and he works with her in the, the factory where she gets a job. But that's what the picture is. I remember like. him from Tremors, from watching those cheesy yeah. Tremors movies. And it says, Fred Ward, who starred in films including Henry and June, Tremors, The Right Stuff, and The Player, died May 8th. His publicist confirmed to Variety he was 79. Among other prominent roles were parts in Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, Miami Blues, and Shortcuts. Ward most recently appeared in the second season of HBO's True Detective as Eddie Velcoro, the retired cop father of Colin Farrell's detective Ray Velcoro. He recurred on NBC's ER as the father of Maura Tierney's Abby Lockhart in 2006 and 7, and guested on series including Grey's Anatomy, Leverage, and United States of Terra. Um, there's, there's a long article, too, on it. If anybody would like to go read it, there's a lot of information, a lot of stuff that he was in. I'm not seeing a cause of death, though. One thing that's kind of surprising, if I can find it again, was at least the box office take of Tremors in here. When I was glancing through a while ago, I saw it. Tremors made only $16 million, but it engendered enormous affection on the part of moviegoers on cable and home video and spawned six sequels and a TV series. Sixteen million dollars, and look at how much they did from it. That Sixteen million dollars, and they put out like eight million movies. Yeah, six six sequels and a TV show, and it's still going. Like it's not any end in sight for it. And it even had Reba on one of them. Reba actually played in it. Well, that's not a a plus for me. And. You saying Reba performed in it, that made me think, did you see Winona's announcement that the Judd's tour will continue without Naomi? How? Apparently she's going to continue on and have guest stars here and there. I think Dolly Parton's supposed to do one one show with her. I mean, I can see, okay, I can see what, um, okay. I can see, like... Whenever Cher performs in concert, she'll sing some Sonny and Cher songs, but Cher's on the Megatron screen behind her, like on stage behind her, and he'll, she'll sit on a bar stool, kind of off to the side of Sonny, and she'll sing, you know, I Got You Babe with, with Sonny while he's on the big screen. 
I could see her doing that with her mom, singing vocals with her mom's vocals, and her being on some kind of screen. I could see that happening, and I can see that's what that's what TLC did with Waterfalls with the Waterfalls tour. Whenever um, with uh, Let well, I believe it was Left Eye when she died. Was it Left Eye or Chili? Anyways, one of them died, and they did a whole tour with. Um, Left Eye, yeah, Left Eye. She died, and then they did a whole tour with her on a big screen, and they sang with her and performed with her. I mean, I could see that happening, but only in that capacity and not having other stars join her on stage singing from her mom's parts. I don't see that. Ha- I don't see that happening. And and I went because uh, I thought I saw something where they said that. The part of the depression was due to dementia that Naomi, that Naomi Judd had. And I went to look it up on Google. Well, this is very disheartening because I found an article from ABC News where Naomi Judd was on Nightline. I believe it was Nightline. Didn't it say Nightline? Yeah, Nightline. And this story is from December 6, 2016. Over... Well, it's about five and a half years ago. Naomi Judd opens up about battle with, quote, life-threatening depression. So, this was not a new thing. And she was battling with it before this, so... It, it says, one of the things in the article says, Naomi Judd, 70, is now revealing that six years ago, out of the spotlight... She began to battle a, quote, completely debilitating and life-threatening depression that led to several stints in psychiatric wards. So, Just goes to show, no matter how rich and famous you are, you can still get depressed and get debilitated like that. And says, they think because they see me in rhinestones, you know, with glitter in my hair, that that really is who I am. I'm sort of a fantasy because I want to provide that for them. But then I would come home and not leave the house for three weeks and not get out of my pajamas nor practice normal hygiene. It was really bad. Because what I've been through is extreme, because it was so deep and so completely debilitating and life-threatening, and because I have processed and worked so hard for these last four years. If I live through this, I want someone to be able to say that they can survive. Well, she made it 11 years at least battling this depression so wow kudos to her for didn't being she, able to she stay died by a handgun didn't she chris i think it was yeah i'm pretty sure that well, i read an article where she died by self-inflicted handgun went to her and and you know we we discussed it the other week when we were speculating from the the statement that was released that it was a suicide it has now been confirmed and it's just, it's heartbreaking. And I was not a fan, but it's heartbreaking to see the struggle that she had to go through. And, I mean, the, the article that I was reading from, it was her promoting her book. So, anybody out there who would like to know more about the story, would like to learn more about depression from someone who actually lived it, you might want to pick up the book and, and read it. But 
it was just it's still just not and I just anybody who wants to say that suicide is just a coward's way out really does not understand suicide at all because um it's I just looked up their net worth yeah they're respectively forty million dollars well I mean they've they've not been hit makers since the early nineties pretty much yeah. They have sold over twenty million albums globally, and and quite honestly, I could live on nine, on forty million dollars for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. No, depression is horrible. And I've been depressed in my life, and and I detailed mine the other week. It was it was bad, but whenever mine. When my mother passed away, I went into a very dark phase of my life. It was bad. Oh, I can say I, I just that... Put on a, I just put on a happy face for everyone. But, anyway. I can say that I've been very fortunate that I, I survived my severe depression. And it was severe. Like, like where she was talking about not doing anything, not leaving the house, not getting out of her pajamas. I understand the feeling. I did not get to the point where I didn't practice hygiene. But I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to see anybody. And I understand getting that low. But for me personally, I got lucky because I hit that rock bottom place for me and survived it. And have come back and have never again been that down. So, I can say that you can turn it around. You have to want to do it. But you also need strong support in your life. And for me, I was lucky to have a mother who cared. Yeah. So... And everybody's story is different. And for some people... Having somebody who cares that much still won't be enough. But if you suspect someone in your life is at that point, do everything you can. Don't challenge them. Don't degrade them. Don't belittle them. Don't act like their depression isn't real. Because for the person who's suffering it, it's very real. And Oh, yeah. You have to keep that in mind and do what you can to keep them on this earth. So, but with that, we will end the first part. And did you get to watch The Lost City? No. Uh, then we will be, I won't really review Kids in the Hall because it's, it's basically, it's one of those Either you watch the original series or you didn't, so you get what they're doing or you don't. So we'll just kind of discuss it, and we'll talk about the... Firestarter. Yeah, Firestarter that premiered in theaters and on Peacock this past Friday. So stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back. First up, let's do the top 10 movies from this past weekend. 
At number 10, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent down from 8, with just over a million dollars in its fourth weekend, 18 and a quarter million total. Debuting at 9 is Family Camp, which I have no clue anything about, almost 1.4 million. Down from 7 to 8 is The Lost City, which this is pretty respectable. After eight weeks, $1.7 million it brought in, and it's on Paramount Plus now. Like, you can stream free with a subscription. The eight-week total is just over $97 million. Down from six to seven, The Northman, about one and three-quarter million dollars in its fourth weekend, $31,205,000. Down from four to six, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Two and a half million after five weeks, $90,178,136. Does not look like it's going to hit $100 million. Because yeah, I think, but what's the worldwide box office? Uh, I will pull it up while I'm talking here. Um, I think it's due to hit HBO Max in like two weeks. Because five weeks of release and 45 days. International has done very well. $288.6 million. So, there you go. But in America, a successful movie. In America, the domestic gross is only 23.8% of its total. So, not a successful Harry Potter franchise well, film. So they'll be doing another one that has made its money back. Yeah, but if the next one doesn't do any better than that, and with the, the merger with Discovery, no telling how much further they have on these films. Uh, Holding it five. I want to see them do Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. That's what I want to see. And bring back all the original crew from the original Harry Potter to do it. Well, holding at five is everything, everywhere, all at once. $3.3 million after eight weeks. $47,120,506. Debuting at number four, the film we will be reviewing. $3.8 million, Firestarter. Holding at three, the top three do not change. Number three is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Over $4.5 million in its sixth weekend. $175,804,271. Staying at two is The Bed Guys, seven million in its fourth weekend, six almost sixty-six and a half million total. And holding at number one, no surprise here, but down sixty-seven percent is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, bringing in sixty-one and three-quarter million in its second weekend, two hundred ninety-two million six hundred fifteen thousand three hundred and twenty-seven dollars to date. What's the worldwide on that one? Uh, I will have to click on it and see. Worldwide, almost $400 million. So, domestic is 42.4% of the gross. Um, did you say mention anything about the Batman in Top 10? I don't think you did. I did not. I didn't even look to see where it was, if it was still in there. Batman is down from 15 to 20 after 11 weeks. $39,808 brought in. $369,242,517. And honestly, that is a really good total. It's not Marvel totals. I'll say Ports of DC, but, yeah, it's a really but it's, good total. It's got so much going against it. One, it's yet another Batman movie. 
to Robert Pattinson, which I have no problem with, and I know he's a very good actor because I've seen him in other things besides Twilight, but people fault him for Twilight and don't give him the chance as Batman, which if they do, they'll probably be blown away because he actually did a really good job with it. I was actually really pleasantly surprised as him being Batman. Three, it they knew it was coming to HBO Max after 45 days like me, so I waited for HBO Max because I did not want to pay to see another Batman movie. And four, and this is a biggie, the hate for DC Films. I don't understand, but it seems like no matter what DC does, people want to hate them. Whereas no matter what Marvel does, people want to love them. I don't get that. Where do you get that from? Look at the reviews. Look at the the social media. I mean, it's... Well, DC films get dogged. Um, Justice League knocked it out of the ballpark. Um, Snyder Cut, not the not the original theatrical version. And Wonder Woman. I mean, good God, look at Wonder Woman. Especially yeah, Wonder Woman's always the movie. exception. But they they dog Wonder Woman eighty four. They they didn't even watch Shazam, and Shazam to me. Of the current DC films, Wonder Woman is number one, Shazam is number two. And Did Wonder Woman ever break the billion dollar mark? No, I don't think so. Um, let me, I'll pull it up here on IMDb and see where they ended up with. But Wonder Woman was such a good movie. And nobody can fault it. And also the Batman vs. Superman was a good movie too. Wonder Woman's budget was $149 million. The domestic gross was over half of the take, 50.2%, which you don't usually see. Usually you see higher numbers worldwide than you do domestic. Like the international always beats out the domestic. So that's one thing that kept her from hitting a billion. But the domestic total was $412,845,172. The international total, $410,009,114. And one of the issues with this film worldwide was female lead and countries that wouldn't play it. Another issue was Gal Gadot was a member of the Israeli army at one point in time, so there were countries that would not play it for that reason. So... That hurt Wonder Woman's international box office take. But that's one thing I'm glad that we still have this kind of freedom in America Batman as I get to see Superman this film. was good. Yeah, but it was hated by a lot of people. The, the only thing that I have saw that was consistent with the reviews on Batman v Superman was that Wonder Woman was the best part. And that is across the board. Everybody said Wonder Woman was the best part of that movie. And still we don't get a Wonder Woman animated series. Still we don't get a Wonder Woman television series. And we've had two live action films with a third sometime in the future. And while on the subject of Wonder Woman, I did want to point out, because you know, 
really, I'm still hurt by the loss of George Perez, writer and artist who revamped Wonder Woman in 1987. In the the Comic-Con panel that I watched with him, he was talking about how Wonder Woman was at a point where nobody wanted to write the character. It was a chore to write her because the sales were so down on the character. And, I mean, honestly, if you have people writing for the character that don't have any interest in writing for the character, of course the sales will go down. Same thing would happen with Spider-Man. If somebody writing Spider-Man had no interest in writing Spider-Man, the stories are not going to be that good. Sales are going to go down. But, according to George Perez, Warner Brothers was in danger of losing losing the licensing rights to Wonder Woman, so they had to do a new series, and he volunteered to do it because, one, he had an idea for a Wonder Woman story that he wanted to do, and two, nobody else wanted to do it. So, well, we, we, we was just talking about the Batman vs. Superman film. I looked that up, and it had a $250 million estimated budget, ended up doing... Worldwide, $873,637,528. So that's respectable. And also, at the very end of the movie, um, it goes into the um, prequel for, like, you know, Justice League. So we've got the Justice League film. When is another Justice League film supposed to come out? Because, you know, it, it ended no up plans. with them coming into, like, Wayne Manor, and they're going to turn that into the Justice League. And they are, just where they left it. They are currently away from the Justice League project. And I think it's because of the whole Snyder storyline. And they're trying to figure out what to do. But they're also trying to build up the rest of the characters. So this year we get Black Adam and Shazam. <coughs> Next year we get Aquaman <coughs> 2 and The Flash. If The Flash still happens, we... That's really up in the air, thanks to Ezra Miller being an idiot. But you were talking about Batman v Superman's worldwide take of eight hundred seventy-three million. Yeah. I just I was curious because you know I said Wonder Woman had a higher take domestic than she did worldwide. To prove that point, Wonder Woman did less money worldwide, but Batman v Superman's take in on the domestic. 37.8% of its gross, whereas Wonder Woman was 50.2% of her gross. Yeah. Now, just for shits and giggles, let's go to Spider-Man and see. The very the very Spider first Spider-Man. Movie. Very first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Domestic take, 49.3% of the worldwide gross. Eight hundred twenty-five no, million. That's not a DC film, though. No, is it? no, but I'm I'm just using that as an example. No. Another movie bigger worldwide than it is here. So we'll continue on with this Iron Man. Just continuing the experiment. Iron Man from two thousand eight. Oh, there's a shocker. Domestic gross was fifty-four point five percent. Oh wow. Its worldwide take was only 585,796,247, which I say only when you compare that to all these other, and the the future Iron Man films, 
that's slow. So let's go to Iron Man 2 and see. We'll, we'll check off three of these. Iron Man 2, 50.1% of the take was domestic. 623.9 million. And How much was it worldwide? 623.9 million. And then Iron Man 3, worldwide gross, $1.2 billion. And Iron Man 3 sucked. The domestic gross on that one, 33.7% of its take. It made $805,797,258 international. I don't see how Iron Man 3 did that because I even, whenever I went and saw this at the movie theater, I even remember making the comment going, Iron Man hardly ever flew in this movie because his suit was down almost the whole movie. Okay, and then again I went and checked Thor. Four, less than $450 million worldwide. The domestic take, 40.3%. Now, we'll go to Captain America because it is a very much U.S. film because it is Captain America. Domestic take, 47.7%. Worldwide was $370.5 million. Which, that's disappointing, because I loved Captain America, the first movie. I thought it was fantastic. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Domestic take, 36.4%. Worldwide, 714,421,503. And then Captain America, Civil War, which was not a Captain America film. It was an Avengers film. Domestic take, 35.4% of $1.153 billion. Wow. So, and this ends the experiment. Said so, domestic takes usually are lower, like I said. And one more, just to see. We'll see what Scream <laughs> did. I'm talking the new Scream, not the original, because the original had issues. Which one? The original Scream. I'm not, but the the new Scream, and it's again horror. So it's a certain genre. You're in a pandemic. This was. Earlier in the year, when the pandemic was raging in other countries as well, 58.3% was domestic. But it only made $140 million worldwide. So, let's let's just check Scream, the original. Because, like I said, it was not released wide in America, in all the places like Hickory. The Bargain House got Scream first, because the other two passed on it. But its domestic take was 59.5%. So, looks like horror movies do better in America than they do international. Which I can yeah. see. But, but, yeah, if y'all want to go, Box Office Mojo is where I'm getting all these results, telling the percentage and everything. Feel free to go explore for yourself. But that brings us to our first review, which is the review of The Kids in the Hall. IMDb has it 6.3 out of 10 after 107 votes. The... The Rotten Tomatoes average tomato meter, 100%. The average audience score, 85%. They're crazy. And I told Paul I'm not going to actually give a rating on this because it really is 
either you were a fan of the show and you get the comedy, or you never watched the show and it's all new. The one thing I think they did was go too outrageous too quick. Because they had full frontal male nudity in this episode, which I was not looking forward to. Are we not going to talk about the peckers that were swinging around? And and they, they really were. I mean... In, it's not a far leap for kids in the hall, but in the first episode, it's it was a little bit much, I think. And the second episode had male nudity in it. The third and fourth episodes are as far as I've gotten so far. I will watch all eight, but it's it's not exactly what you expected because the original series was a CBC series and I think HBO brought it to US audiences and then I know it aired on Comedy Central years later and I loved the show and so far I don't remember it at all there were three characters that I really remembered and the It's a Fact girl I kind of expected to not well, no, there were four characters, but the It's a Fat Girl, I expected to see nothing more of. I knew from the previews that we were going to get the guy who crushes your head, which he basically holds up his fingers in front of his eyes and looks at somebody with one eye. He goes, I'm crushing your head. I'm crushing your head. And he pinches his fingers together on their head, but they're off in the distance, so they have no clue. He's in it. And Buddy, the the very gay character, who in the original series, all I remember is him sitting on a bar or on a bar stool and telling stories. He's now walking through the area and talking about the things that used to be there, including his bar. And the other that I have not seen yet, and I really hope by the last episode we get to see her. But there was this character called the Chicken Lady on the on the Kids in the Hall, and her deal was she would get so excited she would orgasm and explode basically. Uh. Oh, it's it was not gross. It was funny. It's the Kids in the Hall are five male characters. They play most of everybody in the show, and the. The chicken lady was one of them. They wore a chicken suit. And you could see their face, but everything else was the chicken suit. And the one I remember the most is the chicken lady gets on one of the little kids' rides outside of the grocery store. You know, like the little horse that you put the quarter in and it gallops and all that. Well, the vibrations from the ride get her excited. And boom goes the dynamite, as they say. And basically what it was, was there was this big flash of light and smoke and feathers flying. And then it goes back to her and she's all all happy. And that's that's wow. all it really was. But it was hilarious every time. It never got old. And so far she has not appeared. So I'm hoping we get to see her. But I haven't seen her in the first four episodes. For me, as a fan, I'm enjoying it. Like I said, I watched the original series. I love the original series. I own the original series, both on DVD and digital. So, 
Pa, I'm guessing that you have never, ever watched an episode before. I've never heard of it. So go ahead and dog it like you want to. It's just odd. It had odd energy and an odd vibe about it. It's some kind of weird... It was just like... Okay, we robbed this place, but they won't recognize us if we, they're going to look for people that has clothes on. So we're going to go ahead and take our clothes off so they won't find us. So they take off their clothes inside the car. The cops pull up and go, oh, you, this is the car You could say spoiler for, first. Because you're spoiling the whole scene. Naked. So then they, they're forcing you out of the car. Not only were they standing there with their hands above their heads with their pankers out, full-blown naked, then the cops had to make him jump up and down, and then the goobers start flopping around and jumping around everywhere. It was just super odd to watch, and uh, it, I, I just don't get it. Sorry. Well, like I said, it was it went way too outrageous in the first episode. They should have built up to that, maybe put it in the fourth or fifth episode, but... I mean, personally, I, I thought it was funny because you got the stupid cops I mean, and the stupid within, criminals. But within your first ten minutes, we're doing softcore porn. Well, but by the same token, look at the staircase on HBO Max with all the the still photography that they show in it. Yeah. So. Anyways, I'm not going to rate it. It's... It was just too outlandish for me. I just can't deal with it. So, and that's Chris. That's your thing. So, and I, I think basically, and I thought this as I watched it. It's, it's one of those. If you were a fan of the show, you will love the return because it is still the same sentiment, still the same feeling. They're just older, like all of us. If you never watched the series, I would suggest starting. At the beginning, if you can find it, and work your way through. If you don't enjoy the first season, like give it a season to see if you catch on to the comedy. If you don't give up, don't even watch this because it's it's the same exact tone. And that's the plus for this is they got it exactly the same tone as what it was originally. Was it the same writers? Yes, the kids in the hall are the same. Lorne Michaels is still involved, you know, Saturday Night Live, Lorne Michaels. The Dave Foley, Bruce McCulloch, Kevin McDonald, Mark McKinney, and Scott Thompson are the five kids in the hall. They're the creators. They are writers on the show. They are producers on the show. I mean, they did a lot. And another thing I have to say that I loved, they've, they're doing a thing called Friends of Kids in the Hall, where... Actors that you recognize are playing a part. And I think it was Pete Davidson in the first episode. I don't know if you remember, but there it said Friends of Kids in the Hall. And he comes on and he's talking about them. Well, the second episode, I don't know if they're going to top that one for me. Because the Friends of the Kids in the Hall in the second episode is actually Catherine O'Hara. Shit's Creek, Home Alone, SCTV Catherine O'Hara. So, I was thrilled to see her on the screen again, as always, because I love me some Catherine O'Hara. So, yeah. Again, if if you like the original, 
You'll love this one. If you didn't like the original, it's not going to be for you. So if you want to watch it, Amazon Prime. I Like I said, I don't know if the original series is on there or if it's streaming anywhere. Let me check real quick and see if Google tells me. Kids. Canadian television show. Premium subscription on YouTube TV, Sling TV, subscription to Fubo TV, premium subscription to Amazon Prime. I don't, like I said, I don't know if it's on there. Philo, and it says Roku channel has it free. So there are options to see the original series if you would like to. But I went back on my Movie Spree account and watching the original versions on there unedited but yeah I'm hoping we get to see the chicken lady at least because we've seen buddy we've seen the, the crushing your head guy and now we need the chicken lady so that's what I need to make it fully complete but that brings us to Firestarter which premiered in theaters and Peacock on the same day IMDb gives it 4.6 out of 10 after 4,600 votes. Kind of odd, 4.6 after 4.6k 4. votes. And Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, not very happy with it, 13%. Audience score, 48%. And honestly, this one, I never watched the original with Drew Barrymore. I've never watched any of the remakes or supposed sequels or whatever. I've never read the book. So I kind of went into this blind. I didn't hate it. I just wasn't overly thrilled with it. I will say Zac Efron took me a minute to realize that's who he was. Because he looks oh, different in this film. Mm. He mm. looks different in this film. He looks fine in this film. Yeah, whatever. But... The, the little girl, I thought, was a good actress. She did a phenomenal job. She did. And the effects look good. I'm, I'm sure they look better than the Drew Barrymore film because of technology. And I've, and I've actually set people on fire in my mind. <laughs> That's because you are pure evil. I'm getting mad at them. No, you know, the type of jobs we have, I'm like... Oh. <laughs> In uh, so. a way too small part was Kurt or uh, uh, Kurtwood Smith, of course Red Foreman from that '70s show. Yeah, he was in it. Yeah, and I'm looking up Gloria Rubin because the name sounds familiar. She looked familiar, but I don't know what she was in that I've seen that I would recognize her from. And I'm looking through here. She was on Mr. Robot. I guess Cloak and Dagger is where I recognize her from. But I don't really remember much about that series because I just could not get into it. But everything else that I'm seeing, I did not watch. I did see Lincoln, but I don't know what she would have been in that. It says she played Elizabeth Keckley, but I do not remember that character at all. She was on ER TV series, which I did not watch. Numbers, she was in an episode. So, yeah. 
uncredited in Shaft, so probably not a very big part. And it was in 2000 when that film came out, so definitely wouldn't remember her at this point. She was fielding in Time Cop, but nothing... I guess she just kind of looks like somebody. Or maybe the one I just started to skip away from and caught a glimpse, glimpse of, The Flash. She was in the 1990 TV series The Flash. So that's probably why she came up in my mind with the name and the, the look. Even though that's been almost 30 years ago. She looks quite a bit younger than somebody who was in a TV show 30 years ago. I will say that. She was even in an episode of the Alfred Hitchcock's Presents series remake from 1987. But all in all, it's kind of like um, a, a movie about uh, the government doing these experiments on this family, and they end up passing their, the mom and dad ended up passing their uh, special talents to their offspring. And the offspring ends up being one of the most powerful mutants that they've ever seen. And uh, the girl can start fires with her mind, which is pretty cool. And it shows her struggling with it in school. And um, people picking on her and her getting mad at him and she's setting them on fire. It's actually, the, the, the special effects in this is like phenomenal. It, it's, it's a very good film. I enjoyed it because it was... Now, what got me is listed as a horror movie. Did you see that, Chris? Well, I knew it was listed as horror because it's Stephen King. That's the only I reason. I as a horror movie. This, this would be more, more like sci-fi. Do I? This would be more of a sci-fi film. Yeah, I was, I was viewing it like a sci-fi film or a drama. It wasn't very horror to me. I mean, nothing really scared me about the movie. And... If it tells you anything about this film, there's only four items in the trivia on IMDb. Oh, really? Yeah, the first one is John Carpenter, who did the music for this film, was set to direct the original Firestarter, but was replaced when his previous film, The Thing, failed at the box office. He would instead direct another Stephen King adaptation, Christine. Final film for executive producer Martha De Laurentiis, who died December 4th, 2021. Her first film as a producer was the original Firestarter, and she would go on to produce several other Stephen King adaptations with her husband, Dino De Laurentiis. Ryan Kier Armstrong previously appeared in It Chapter 2, another Stephen King adaptation, and Akiva Goldsman and Faith Aiken, or Fatih Aiken, were set to direct the film. But nothing really about the film itself in that trivia either. So... It, and there's there's really not much you can say on this one. I will say you're best off if you have a subscription to Peacock. Watch it there. Don't bother wasting your money at the theater because you'll feel like you wasted your money when you watch it. It's good for a one-time watch, I think, but I don't think I would ever watch it again. Yeah, I, it makes me curious. I want to go. I have never seen the original either. I want to go back and watch the original and kind of compare it and see what happened. Well, the original is on Peacock, so 
if you want to choose that for next week. Uh, yeah, I would. I think I'd like to watch that one and, and compare it. So, and the way I look at it is, you can't go down too far with it. But I, I did look last night, or yeah, last night when I watched it, I did go to the more like this section, and it it showed Firestarter, and I think Firestarter rekindled both on Peacock. Oh really? I think so. I didn't know there was a Firestarter part two. I didn't know that. Eh, I think it was a a Sci-Fi Channel. Let me go to Peacock and see. I go to Peacock. Sign. I gotta sign in. This is gonna take me a minute. If you have anything to chat about, feel free. As, <laughs> as Linda, as Linda and Richmond would say, "I'm verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves." Yeah, I'm a talk amongst yourselves. Welcome to Coffee Talk. <laughs> well, I do like a good cup of coffee. I did go to the hospital today. I had to take my dad to the hospital and. Um, the coffee, which is rather, rather surprising, they actually were serving Folgers at the co- at the hospital, which I'm a coffee snob, and I thought, I'll try it. So I got me a cup of Folgers, put me some cream and sugar in it, and it was actually pleasantly surprising. It, it was good. And um, kudos to the hospital for taking care of my dad today and all his tests that he had done. So, um, everything looks good, so I think he'll make it around for at least another 50 years. So, we'll see, but time will tell. But, yeah, Bulger's Coffee. Yeah, I never really thought that that, that would have been good, and it was. Hmm. Okay, so let me go to Peacock on my phone, because something went wrong. Please try again to check, or check with your internet connection. And, obviously, Uh-oh. the internet connection's fine, because you and I are still talking. So. Uh-oh. Let me go to the phone and pull up Peacock. Peacock. But the back to Linda Richmond and Coffee Talk. You know what the best episode of it was, don't you? No. It was the one where Roseanne Barr hosted, or Roseanne or Roseanne Arnold, whoever she was at the time, hosted the episode of Saturday Night Live, and. Madonna was in there, and there was a surprise appearance by Barbara Streisand. Madonna and Babs, wow. And Roseanne, before Roseanne went completely nuts. Roseanne went to some kind of a farmer in Hawaii and went crazy. Okay, so I looked up Firestarter on Peacock. Results. Firestarter 2022, streaming only on Peacock. Firestarter with Drew Barrymore. And Firestarter Rekindled. They are all three on there. When did Rekindled come out? Uh, Let's see. Firestarter with Drew Barrymore is an hour and 54 minutes. Came out in 1984. Rekindled is a season. Oh. Well, it's a miniseries. One hour and 21 minutes on episode one, one hour and 20 minutes on episode two. Because they don't like to call it 
the mini series or event or anything like that. Like if you go to the WWE section on there, WrestleMania is season one, season two, season three. WrestleMania didn't have a season. It was one show until they made it two nights. I don't know if epguides.com will have Firestarter listed in it or not. So let's see. No. So let's search it on Google and see what we have. 2002 American miniseries. Which they show that you can watch it free on Tubi or a premium subscription to Peacock. The Firestarter Rekindled. I just, as much as I enjoy the stuff that's on Tubi, I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it anymore since it's also owned by Fox Corp and they just keep doing horrible. Like I said, the whole yeah. deal with Giuliani as the masked singer. So, yeah, I'm not overly thrilled by that. But I don't really have anything more to say on Firestarter. Do you have anything, or do you want to go ahead and rate it? I don't have anything to say. You go ahead and rate it. Okay. Like I said, I went into this blind. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't Never read the book. Never watched the miniseries. Never watched the original movie. Um... Even not knowing anything, all I knew was that she started fires on her by mentally. I, I don't have anything to base it on. As I said, it's it's a good one-time view, but only if you have nothing else better to do at the time. I mean, don't don't go out of your way to find this film because it's not going to thrill you. Effects are great. The little girl does very well acting. The story is good, but it, it just feels like we've seen it before. Even And I know this is a remake, and I've said that I've never watched it before, but this, the whole thing, it feels very familiar and like you've seen it overdone. And that might be part of the problem, is this is done so many years later. But for me, I'm, I'm just going to give it a two and a half. It was good. It's not great. It's not horrible. Yeah, it was good. Uh, the little girl did a great job acting. Zach Afron was a hottie. I'd give it a five just for that. <laughs> That's because you a hoe. But uh, honestly, I was like you, Chris. I didn't recognize him at first. I thought that that looks like Zach Afron. Then I had to go. I went to IMDb right quick and clicked on it while I was watching it, and I thought that is Zach Afron. Well, um, and he's 34 years old in this film, and they made him look like he's 40-something. So, um... Uh, and, and he, he is mentioned, like, when you go to the screen, his is the first name in the cast, so I knew he was in it, even going in, and it took a little bit to click that that was him. Yeah, it, it just, um, he didn't look like himself, so... So to say. So I think part so of it's speak. the beard. The beard and the dark right. hair. Yeah, so anyways, I'm going to be with you. I was going to give it a 2.75, but I'm going to give it a 2.5 as well. So It's nice that I can I peer would, pressure I'm, you into the rating. I'm going to watch it again. 
I may watch it with friends, but watching it by myself again, no, I won't. But if I have some friends that want to watch it, sure, I'll watch it with them. But anyways, I'll grab me some popcorn and eat it. Well, this best, best way I can put it, if you're wanting a Stephen King movie that won't scare you, this would be good for you. Because, I mean, there are horror um, elements. Like, she sets people on fire, so that is a horror element. But Yeah, and plus they're half-burned, and they look kind of morbid-looking, so the, I can see that. The one I'm thing I need Stephen King about. and Stephen King adaptations to stop doing is killing animals. I was getting ready to say I'm surprised you didn't say nothing about the cat. Yeah, it's, that's... It's over and over, and, like... Everything seems like Stephen Kane has some kind of tortured animal in it. And the way they dealt with this one, it wasn't insensitive, it wasn't horrible, but I just get tired of seeing it. That's that's where it comes down to. Yeah. So. But anyways... This week is going to be me trying to figure out. I think there's something new coming. I might choose old on HBO Max. I haven't decided yet because I haven't seen that one yet. And that's M Night Shyamalan, and it just premiered on HBO Max. Ooh, M Night Shyamalan, that'd be a good movie. So let's just go with that. We'll do old for me and the original Firestarter for you. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. So that's our our show next week. Two older films and. Pun intended, kind of, because one of them's called Old. But, and I know Old did not get great reviews, but I know other things that did not get great reviews that I've loved, and I go to it every time, because I own a digital copy of it. I love the movie. I thought it was really well done, and it's Sally Field, who I absolutely adore, and that's movie Eye for an Eye. And, Plus, it's Impact Shyamalan. Well, Eye for an Eye with Sally Field got an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. I loved it. I got my in-laws yeah. to watch it. They really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great story. And, I mean, it's Sally Field, who's a fantastic actress. And the story was Kiefer Sutherland breaks into the home and rapes and kills her daughter while she's on the phone with her daughter as she's sitting in rush hour traffic jam in New York City. Ooh. Yeah, that's where the story starts. And after that, it's all about her trying to get revenge and avenge her daughter's death. And kind of reminds me of that, that one Scream movie where Cotton Weary's on the interstate and he's on the phone with his girlfriend or his wife and one of the Scream dudes busts in and starts trying to kill her and he gets to the house and then you know, all hell breaks loose then. So that's kind of reminds me of that and movie. It might have been from Eye for an Eye that they got it because Eye for an Eye just pulled it up 1996, which was the year the first Scream movie was done. Well, the this would have been like Scream 3. 2. Is three. 3. Was that Scream 3 with yeah. Cotton Weary on the interstate? Yep. When he. Spoiler alert for anybody who's not seen Scream 3, but it's the one where he ends up dying at the beginning. Yeah, it's, that's three. Because it's Hollywood. Okay. So, yeah, I remember that. Okay. Alright. 
Anything else we're talking about? I think that's it, unless you have any last words. Uh, no, not any last words. Yep. Since Paul's fading, we'll just cut it off here. The next week. <laughs> Sorry, I'm fading bad. Original Firestarter from 1984 with Drew Barrymore on Peacock from Paul. Old on HBO Max for me. And that's it, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.